It is Stu back in our home, my wife's home studio with a fancy pink sign behind me. Uh, it is uh, going to be an interesting one today. We are in uh, February in Texas, which I think means we should just shut the state down. Uh, apparently, no one no one can do anything in Texas. Nothing works. We're just gonna we're gonna skip February. Is there, um, you know, people come south for the winter? Maybe we should just, seconds. you know, have a have a version of that in Texas. Where I don't know, we go to South Texas, uh, we go to Florida, uh, Arizona. I don't know what we're supposed to do, but apparently, uh, the society cannot operate in this current structure. Uh, welcome to the program, Glenn. Is uh, I don't know, maybe joining us at some point today. We're we're going to we're going to see how that goes, um, as he's having some technical difficulties at his house. So it's me, Stu, and we will uh, get through it together and look at all the big news stories of the day. There's a lot of them, and we'll be starting that here in just about uh, 20 seconds or so, or 15 seconds, as she just said. We'll be back just in a couple of seconds and give you all the details of what you need to know today. Thanks for joining the Glenn Beck program. It's Stu. We'll be back in a second. Joining you from the winter wonderland of Dallas, Texas, it's Stu. Glenn is going to be here as well, depending on his technology requirements. Joining us as well today uh, to take you through all the big stories of the day, Kevin McCarthy is going to visit the White House. It's going to be an exciting one. Will Joe Biden remain awake for the entire meeting? We'll speculate on that question here in just a second. So what is the value of $20? How far is that going to get you these days? Maybe not too far with a lot of things, but I I can convince you that it might change your life if you're one of the millions of Americans who live with frequent and debilitating pain. Would it be worth it? Because 20 bucks will get you a trial pack of Relief Factor. And if you're anything like me, once you try Relief Factor, you're going to get your life back. 70% of the people who try it go on to order more. So if you or somebody you love is dealing with pain, Please give Relief Factor a try. It's not a drug, but it was developed by doctors and had four key ingredients that will fight inflammation, which is causing most of our pain. Three-week quick start, now $19.95. It's a trial pack, so try it now. 70% of the people, are you part of the 70% that got their life back? ReliefFactor.com. Call 1-800-4-RELIEF. 1995, three-week quick start. ReliefFactor.com. Feel the difference. So Kevin McCarthy, the brand new speaker of the House, is going to be going to visit Joe Biden today at the White House uh, in his first visit, at least uh, since all of these changes happened past, uh, after this past election. Um, he's looking to talk debt limit. And this has been a fascinating back and forth. And I say fascinating, not in the sense of like 
the Super Bowl is fascinating or the Kardashians are fascinating. I mean, Washington fascinating. The fascinating that bores everybody to tears, but is really important and may just ruin your life. That type of fascinating. You know, it's like there's, there's things that they say in Washington, like we need a quorum call. And you realize the most boring. Uh, let's talk about tort reform. These things are incredibly boring, but make an incredible difference to your life. And that's, that's really sad. You'd like the exciting things to matter. The exciting things don't seem to matter. The boring things matter. And one of the most boring things you can talk about is the debt limit. Now, the debt limit is something that we've established long, long ago. For what reason? Why did we do this in the first place? The debt limit is something that should kind of be a big highlighted sentence on everybody's radar that says, hey, when you hit the debt limit, that's supposed to tell you something. It's supposed to give you information. It's not just a big number. It's not just how we learn the next in the sequence of Illion numbers. Oh, million, billion, trillion, quadrillion, quintillion. How do we know the next one? Well, probably the debt limit is going to teach it to us. That's, <laughs> that's how we learn things. That's how we learn math in this country. It's not just that, though. It's supposed to give us a giant sign on the side of the highway that says, hey, guys, you're going too fast. There's a giant brick wall ahead, and maybe we should slow down a little bit. It's not just a number. Yet Washington seems to treat it just as a number. Now, Kevin McCarthy's going to go to the White House today, and he's going to look to try to secure some sort of spending cuts. He wants the, the Democrats to sign off, because they're going to need to in the Senate and, and, of course, the president, to cut some spending in exchange for extending the debt limit. Because we've already passed the debt limit. We're now in that situation where they do fancy accounting that buys the United States of America, the number one economy in the, in the world, buys us something like five or six months uh, before we actually start defaulting on stuff. And it's, it's fascinating to watch this happen. Don't you wish you had these tricks? Why don't we have these accounting tricks? I want these accounting tricks too. I want to be able, when I can't pay a bill, to just say, look, we're going to move money around in ways that you don't really understand that aren't really going to affect us, but it's going to give us six more months to pay that bill. Where's my opportunity to use those tricks? I, I would love to, to figure that out. But we don't have those tricks. Well, we have those tricks. We just go to prison if we use them. They don't. They they just write letters to each other telling them, we're, we're using extraordinary circumstances, extraordinary accounting measures to make sure we can pay our bills. Now, the media is looking at this and saying, this is all Republicans' fault. This is the fault of the Republicans. We, for years and years and years, have come together when it comes to the debt limit. And we've said... Boys and girls, we're just going to agree that we're going to go deeper into debt. You know, 20 years ago, we just agreed we would go deeper into debt. And then 10 years ago, we just agreed we would go deeper into debt. And why won't the Republicans this time just agree that we're going to go deeper into debt? Isn't that a great solution? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we just came together and said, yes, we'll print more money. 
Yes, we'll borrow more money from China. Yes, we'll continue this irresponsible pattern of behavior that got us to this moment. Of course we will. We'll agree to that over and over and over again in perpetuity. Why would we change? We've done it before. That's a good question. It's a good question. You know, the debt limit at some level is like a hangover. You have a late night. You drink far too many shots. Fireball at the moment seemed like a good idea at 2.15 a.m. Why not a couple of shots? Everyone's really happy. Everyone's into this night. Let's go for it. Couple more shots of fireball. What could possibly go wrong? And the debt limit serves as that hangover headache that next day. Sure, you can push through it. Sure, you can go out drinking that next night. If everyone just agrees to make those decisions once again, we can be back at that bar the next day at 2.15 in the morning, doing another round of fireball shots and expecting different results in the morning. That hangover headache gives you that reminder. The reminder to say, wait a minute, should we examine our behavior this time? Is this the moment that maybe we should make a decision that results in us in a different place other than that bar stool. That's what the debt limit is. If the debt limit is just a number that we bump into and then all agree to pass it again, we're just drunks. We are a country of drunks. Drunks that go back to the bar and do another round after another round after another round and then regret it in the morning, but push through it because that's just the way life is. And guess what happens? Eventually, main major organs that you need stop playing along. That's where this goes eventually. Eventually, you get to a place where organs shut down and someone's writing your obituary. And that's not a fun place to be. And it's funny because it doesn't even happen like that typically. It's not like you go out one night, you have too many drinks, you have a hangover, and then you drop, you, you, you fall over. Sometimes that does happen. And it does. Sometimes really bad uh, uh, outcomes will result from that behavior. But usually what happens is you have warnings. Usually what happens is you go to the doctors and they say, how much are you drinking? Usually what happens is that that hangover costs you maybe a job one day. Maybe your personal life starts falling apart. Maybe uh, you have a, a test that comes back with really weird numbers that you don't understand and you realize you're on a bad physical path. That's where we are in this country. What do you think this period of the last couple of years when it comes to inflation, what do you think that was? That was... I've got this weird pain in my side and I'm not sure what it is. Maybe I go to the doctors and the doctor says, hey, I think you've been drinking too much, buddy. That's what this inflationary period was. It was the body of our country, our economy, saying, guys, you've gone too far here. You guys are drunk. You're drunk every night. And you better come up with a way to solve this problem or eventually... Down the road somewhere, we don't know if it's six months away, six years away, 30 years away, but sometime in the somewhat near future, organs fail and you collapse. And that's what the debt limit is supposed to do, to give us that reminder 
that, hey, if you guys don't change your behavior, this whole thing is going to fall apart. And the media is looking at this and just saying, hey, why don't you guys just sign on? Why don't Republicans just go along with this? Why doesn't everyone just work together to continue our behavior? We need the person, we, we need Uber to come in to get the guy to the bar. We need the bartender to, even though he kind of realizes this guy's a regular, he drinks too much, has a real problem, let's serve him again the next day. We need the spouse to kind of look the other way. Everyone kind of has to look the other way while this country continues down this road of alcoholism when it comes to debt. And the debt limit is there as our, really our one opportunity to be able to do something about this problem. Are we going to do something about it? McCarthy is going to the White House today, and the back and forth has been fascinating. First of all, the Democrats and the media, in unison, as usual, in lockstep, saying the exact same things as if they're on the same group text, saying basically, the, the Republicans are irresponsible here. They are causing this problem. They should just go along with this and continue voting for the debt ceiling because we've all done it before. We've all worked together before. Let's continue to raise the debt ceiling with no changes whatsoever. And Kevin McCarthy, who, by the way, you know, look, we have lots of complaints about Kevin McCarthy. We have complaints about the way the Republicans performed in this previous election. It should have been a bigger win. But it is important to note that the House is under Republican control. The people of the United States of America, not exactly in overwhelming numbers, but came to the polls and said, we want Republicans in charge. We want them to be able to push back a little bit on, on this Biden administration and what they're doing. I think we've all internalized this massive loss from that election, and that's not entirely insane to do so. But it is also not reality. The reality of the situation is, the Republicans won the House. And what can they do with that power? They can sit back and do nothing. They can complain about stuff, of course, and they'll do a lot of that. But they can also, number one, do investigations, like, for example, on the origins of COVID-19, on where all of our spending went over the past few years when it comes to covid five, six trillion dollars. How much of that was wasted? They can do investigations like that. And then they can do stuff like this. They can sit back and say, hey, we need to make some changes. We need to change our lives. We've been in the bar too long. We need to change. We need to do something to make sure our country changes the path we're on because the path we're on is destructive. It's personally destructive behavior. And we need to change that. We need to do something about it. So, Kevin McCarthy says, look, we want to negotiate. We want to change some stuff. Let's do something here that will make this, the future spending of this country a little bit better. Maybe some limits here and there. Maybe some spending cuts. Maybe just some cuts in the spending increases. Something. Something to tell the American people that we're addressing this problem. Something to say, hey, you know what? We're going to show up to work tomorrow after the, after the all-night bender. We might not be getting sober. No one's, no one's even suggesting sobriety here. 
We don't even have a party that suggests sobriety anymore. All we're doing is saying maybe don't take the last fireball shot before we walk out the front door of the bar. That's all we're trying to get here. And McCarthy says, look, I want to be able to negotiate this. Let's come together and find a couple things that we can agree on. What's ridiculous? I'll give you an example. COVID-19 spending. There's a bunch of extra money out there. Extra spending. Extra COVID-19 money. Money that was designated for testing or whatever else. Some of the stuff not even related to COVID. But it's just in this big pile that states are just figuring out what to do with now. They're like, well, let's try stuff. Rhode Island, you know what they're doing with it? They have 10 million extra dollars for COVID. You know what they're doing? Reparations. Slavery reparations. They've decided to take COVID-19 money and turn it into slavery reparations. That's where we are in this country right now. So we have one side saying, let's negotiate. We have one side saying, we're not going to negotiate. You should just go along with our current path. And then we have the media. We'll get into what the media is trying to do in 60 seconds. There is a reason Blinds.com has over 40,000 five-star reviews. It becomes obvious when you see how their window treatments can give your home that new year look. And the best part? Blinds.com makes it incredibly affordable at the same time. So if you're ready to make that noticeable difference in your home, the way it looks, Blinds.com is your one-stop shopping for anything and everything to do with window treatments. Blinds, drapes, shutters, even really cool stuff like motorized shades. You'll find it all at Blinds.com. And if you need help measuring or installation, they'll do that too. Everything is backed by Blinds.com's 100% satisfaction guarantee. Shipping is also always free, so shop now and save up to 40% site-wide. Up to 40% off everything right now at Blinds.com. It's Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. 10 seconds, station ID. So we're looking at the debt ceiling situation. McCarthy going to the White House today. God only knows if Biden's going to even remain awake for this meeting. Who knows? But that's not even what's important here. As you're looking at what the media is doing, it's fascinating because they're saying, number one, Republicans should just get on board. They should just vote for these spending increases. They should vote to go past the debt ceiling. Just raise it. What's the big deal? Just raise the debt ceiling. We don't want to risk catastrophe. And why are we getting, every, you're just supposed to go along with this. So therefore, if you don't, you're just playing politics. Now, what we've seen over the past couple of days is a total switch. Now, the, the New York Times, the Washington Post, all these big media institutions have just started echoing, of course, yet again, as if they're on the group text, the same thing the White House is saying, which is now they're trying to demand details from McCarthy about what they want to cut. Now, if you're saying it's okay, if we're going to have catastrophe, if that's what we face, why are the Republicans the only one who, ones who have to do anything? The Democrats are saying they, Joe Biden is saying he will not negotiate over this. 
It's the most important thing in the world. It's the most important thing any of us could ever imagine. It could shut down our entire economy. Also, we won't negotiate about it at all. Also, we won't have conversations about it at all. Also, we're going to completely ignore basic requests about how we can solve this impasse. And the media is carrying the water for this. They came out and said, well, of course he shouldn't negotiate. Of course they shouldn't do that. This is something that the left and the right always agree on. And now they're changing their tone to say, well, they, won't, they don't even have an idea of what they want. Well, how do you know if they have an idea about what they want unless you'll talk to them about it? The Biden administration is saying they will not negotiate under any circumstances. But also, can you believe these Republicans? They don't even have a plan about what they want. Well, what's your plan? Your plan is to ignore everything they ask for, no matter what it is. You've said already you will not talk to them about this stuff. Now, you can see the walls starting to crumble a little bit here as this is going on today. Maybe the Democrats are realizing they're in a situation where they do need to talk. But at the end of this road is, in theory at least, real economic trouble for us. And it's silly to believe that we should go down this road. If you don't, if you just want to be able to spend whatever you want to spend, then have the balls to step up and say, we want to get rid of the debt limit completely. Run that by voters. See what they say. See how that works for you in the next election. Give it a shot. Just say you don't want it anymore. The left won't do that because they know how that sounds to the American people. We don't want any credit limit. How would that sound to American Express or Visa if you asked for it? You know what? And I know American Express has no preset spending limit. Preset's pretty important there, uh, boys and girls, in case you've decided to just, you know, buy a Bugatti on your Amex. But the bottom line is, everybody's got a credit limit. And if you want to extend that credit limit, you need to ask. And it's okay for a credit card company to say to you, well, look, do you have a job? Because I don't really want to raise this credit limit if you have absolutely no chance to pay this money back. That's where we are today between two parties, one of which is asking for pretty reasonable cuts. The other... I think he thinks he's having a pancake breakfast. I don't even know what he's doing. He'll likely fall asleep in his sausage and wake up with syrup all over his face. We'll see how that works out today between Biden and McCarthy. It's the Glenn Beck Program. 888-727-BECK is the phone number. We're in snowy Texas, which apparently exists like once a year. We'll be back with more here in just a minute. The Glenn Beck Program. American Financing, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Let's say you have a credit card and your balance is $10,000. If you only make the minimum payment amount, how long do you think it'll take to pay that off? The answer, unfortunately, is eight and a half years. And that's crazy because by the time you pay it off, you'll have paid so much in compounding interest. You can't let something like that happen, especially when there are options available. And the best among these that I've found is American financing. 
You should give them a call today and just see if they can help. They're saving the average customer now about $695 a month. That's kind of a lot. So don't wait around to get started. Call American Financing now. Their salary-based mortgage consultants can help guide you through the entire process and create a custom loan that will align with your financial goals. No hidden fees, no upfront fees, no gimmicks. Just call them. American Financing, 800-906-2440, AmericanFinancing.net. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn and save yourself 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. Welcome back to the Glenn Beck program. It's Stu uh, having flashbacks to, I don't know, March and April 2020. No one's out in the street. No one can do anything here in Texas. There's frozen water on the ground, and that means everything shuts down. So we're having all sorts of uh, technical difficulties. No one can get in and out of their homes at this point. I mean, you can, I guess. I mean, I just, I keep looking outside and I think to myself, this is pathetic. I used to live in the Northeast. I grew up in Connecticut in New York. Uh, What is this? Uh, What do you mean we can't? I don't even understand it, frankly. But um, this is what we have here in Texas. We, we don't have salt trucks. We don't have sand trucks. We've got nothing. We have no plows. We have nothing. So when this happens, we just turn into April 2020. We turn into six weeks to stop the spread. And we all just stay home and look outside and, and think about what life could be. And that's what we're doing right now. Glenn's going to be joining us here and there with uh, his uh, technical situation at his home. I mean, look, you know, the guy... You know, pray for his financial situation. He just said he doesn't have enough money to get good internet. You know, he's on dial-up. The poor guy. He's on net zero. He's got net zero internet at his home. And he's trying to, he's trying to do a national radio show on net zero, which went out of business, I think, 12 years ago. So it's difficult for him to get online. He, he's got 2,600 baud modem. And uh, he's trying the best that he can, but uh, might be a problem for him. So we're going to be, uh, I'll be with you. I've taken you through everything uh, today. And one of the situations I was thinking about as I was going through the debt ceiling conversation and thinking about how this always plays out the same way, no matter what happens here, we're not going to be happy with it. Certainly, if Democrats have to sign off on it, it's not going to be our utopia. And we don't know how the Republicans will hold the line on this. Will they actually utilize this moment to get meaningful concessions? Or will this be like every other time where, I mean, maybe I guess in the Tea Party era, you can argue there was the one time where Republicans really held the line on this and got some meaningful spending cuts, which largely did materialize for a few years. It's one of the reasons why Obama's financial records uh, from his administration don't look as terrible as they could have. It's because Republicans held the line pretty strongly on spending. So they did not give Obama the sort of leeway that most Democratic presidents get. And that was one of the you know successes you can point to pretty clearly in the through the Tea Party era. But one thing that we will do is we will look at Republicans that are already in office. And we will say, we need to improve those Republicans. We need to say, these guys aren't doing the job that we want them to do. They're not holding the line on the on fiscal issues or anything else. And we need to do better. And we complain about this all the time. And typically what we do is we will primary a bunch of Republicans and then get what I think could fairly be 
summarized as mixed results. Sometimes we hit home runs. You know, Mike Lee came out of this process. Ted Cruz came out of this process. Rand Paul came out of this process, at least in one variation of it or another, where you get really good senators. They come in and, generally speaking, do a really good job. And you're happy with them for years and years and years to come. And then there's the other side of this, where you come up with a candidate that maybe isn't so strong, or you come up with a candidate who's a big letdown, or you come up with a candidate that wins the primary and then loses the general. Nobody wants that. I feel like we've tried this over and over again, and we keep coming back to these same hurdles. Hurdles that look like you know, catastrophe, <laughs> frankly. It means instead of having a pretty bad Republican, you wind up with a really bad Democrat. And at some level, that might pay long-term dividends where you get someone who's been in the seat forever out. You got to deal with, you know, six years of a Democrat, which is terrible. But then, okay, at the end of the day, maybe you get a better candidate. But I thought to myself, why don't we think this out a little bit this time? Why don't we come up with a system, a way of looking at this, that can identify the best candidates to target in primaries. Why wait until this all plays out six months, a year down the line, and then we all realize, oh, geez, this one's not doing, this one's a great one, but this one's not doing well at all. We should, we should, we should have, we should have come up with somebody else. Why not think about this in advance? Why not think about this as sort of a priority list? Which candidates in the Senate, should be primaried. Because, look, we can all complain about Susan Collins, and I do, all the time. We can complain about Susan Collins over and over and over again, and I do. She's terrible as a Republican. She she is, at some level, better than Chuck Schumer. Now, you might say, not enough. She's not that much better. And I, you know, look, I would agree, not enough. But certainly, she will vote the right way on certain things. We've seen, you know, some of these spending bills blocked because 50 senators, all of them held together to block them, um, you know, or, you know, with a little bit of help from uh, Joe Manchin for a while, I guess, until he flaked. But having 52, 53, 54, 55 senators makes a big difference. And even if some of those aren't so great, if you're in a purple state, maybe you can live with it. If you're in a blue state, maybe you can live with a Susan Collins or at least tolerate a Susan Collins. If you primary Susan Collins and you come up with a really good conservative, there's a good chance that conservative loses in the general. So there's three questions you really need to ask here. Number one, which incumbent senators running for a re-election on the Republican side are the least conservative? Identify those first. That might be the only step we've done in the past. Uh, I think we should go beyond that, though. The second step is, if you primary them, if you spend resources and time and, and you get activists working on the conservative side, can you actually win the primary? Is this task you're taking on a winnable task? And we're just looking for the low-hanging fruit here. What's the easy stuff to do? What are the improvements we can make to the Republican caucus, the Republican group, that can make the country better to fall back to more of a conservative constitutionalist mindset and how can we do that through the most low-hanging fruit possible so 
if we primary them, can this candidate actually win the primary? And if we find a good Republican conservative candidate, can they actually win the general if they win that primary? That's an important step. You need to be able to look at this and say, okay, this state is a good target because we've got a crappy senator there already on the Republican side. They're not all that popular in their state among Republican voters anyway. And if we get a conservative through that primary process, they can actually win the general election. So there are nine candidates that are running for re-election on the Republican side right now. Nine. Which ones are the best to take out? To go after in a primary process that you could defeat them and then win in the general election afterward. So starting out with who's the least conservative. What I did here, I didn't want to just say, okay, I think this person's conservative. I don't think this person is. I went through and looked at all the ratings agencies that kind of do this type of thing. Conservative Review, which is, uh, you know, uh, they're part of this. Uh, they've been doing this for a very long time. They have a, a score. They go after and say, how conservative are you? FreedomWorks does this. Uh, American Conservative Union does this. Some others as well. And looked at this and said, okay, let's compile all these results together. Who is the most conservative? Who's the least conservative? The most conservative of the nine, according to that list, is Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz, of course, from Texas. Uh, next up, Marsha Blackburn, very conservative from Tennessee. Next up, Rick Scott, third most conservative from Florida. John Barrasso from Wyoming. We're sort of in this category here of like, these are people that, why would you want to spend lots of resources? They're pretty much doing a good job already. You might have your quibbles with them here or there, but they're generally speaking pretty conservative and should be our lowest priority targets here. Next up, Deb Fisher, middle of the pack from Nebraska. Josh Hawley from Missouri, whose voting record, you know, he, he makes a lot of splash in the media. Uh, his voting record, not necessarily as conservative as some might think. Then toward the most uh, towards the most vulnerable here, the ones that you would target because you believe they're the least conservative according to their voting records. Third place, least conservative, Roger Wicker from Mississippi. Second place, Kevin Kramer from North Dakota. And the least conservative on the list by a pretty significant margin. Not all that close, boys and girls. The least conservative on the list, Mitt Romney from Utah. Now that's just part of what we're doing here. We need to next look at if we primary them, can we win the primary? And the way we looked at this is basically, what is the approval rating for these senators among Republicans in the state, the people who will be casting the votes in these primaries? If they're super popular in their state, it's going to be hard to beat them. So where do these guys stand? Now, just to give you a little bit of a perspective, Typically, these approval ratings will go between 60 and 80%. Uh, very, uh, very infrequently do you have someone who's legitimately unpopular among their own party. 60% is pretty bad, 80%, generally speaking, pretty good. So here's the, here's the rundown of these nine Republicans. Best approval rating, John Barrasso, 79%. Marsha Blackburn is at 78%. Ted Cruz, 75%. Kevin Kramer, 73%. Rick Scott, 72%. Josh Hawley, also 72% among Missouri Republicans. Deb Fisher, 66%. We're getting into rough territory here. You shouldn't be in the 60s on this number. This is your own party. Uh, Roger Wicker, only 63% for Roger Wicker. And I want to make sure you understand this. Most of the time, these numbers are between 60 and 80%. But who is the least popular among their own voters 
in the state by an incredible margin. This is not a misprint. This is not a mistake. I checked it multiple times. Approval rating for Mitt Romney in Utah among Republicans, 41%. He's 22 points behind the entire rest of the field. Mitt Romney is very vulnerable to primary in Utah. And then the last question, if we win the primary, can we win the general? So, this is an interesting one. What's the the hardest one to to uh, to win in? And I would say these states are all very winnable. To 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 give you this list quickly, but Rick Scott is the hardest in Florida, and and in Florida is a technically a purplish state, though Ron DeSantis keeps making making it look very red recently. Ted Cruz in Texas again is one of the harder states to win in the general. So really, any of these candidates you can get through. Just to give you the list: Rick Scott, Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, Roger Wicker. I mean. Roger, Mississippi is one of the hardest states to win if you can get a, someone through this primary. That's how ridiculous this list is. Deb Fisher, Mitt Romney, Marsha Blackburn, Kevin Kramer, and the easiest would be John Barrasso. But they're all easy. These are all easy races to win if you get a candidate through the primary into the general. So we compiled this into a big formula, ran the numbers a bunch of times, and came up with the final list. Who should we primary? The least interesting to primary on this list number nine ted cruz is conservative guy uh he's a red state uh and he's already popular very little reason to primary ted cruz here if you don't like him you could do this i mean it's up up to you if you want to support someone else you want to vote for someone else there's no problem with that you make your own decisions but just technically speaking the least benefit comes from primarying a ted cruz next up rick scott number eight Seventh on the list, Marsha Blackburn. This is the this top third of the list, really solid. There's no real reason to go after these candidates. I think you leave them there. The middle of the list, I would categorize as people, if you come up with a perfect candidate, if you got someone unbelievably strong, there's no reason not to do it. And the main reason I would say that is because you're going to win these races if you get the conservative through the primary. So if you want to primary them, you know, if you have a good candidate in your state, go for it. Uh, Josh Hawley's number six. John Barrasso's number five, Deb Fisher, number four. That's the middle of the list. Then you get to the people that, you know what? We can just do better. We can frankly do better. Number three, Roger Wicker. Is there any reason to have a mediocre to bad voting record in a state like Mississippi? Again, I can deal with it at some level in a state like Maine. I can deal with... You know, the days of Scott Brown in, in Massachusetts didn't make me happy all the time, but a Republican in Massachusetts, you take what you can get. In Mississippi, the bright red Mississippi, we have to deal with a mediocre voting record. The same thing applies to Kevin Kramer in North Dakota. Why are we not getting a real solid constitutionalist in a state like North Dakota? We can do better in a state like North Dakota. You can see massive improvements in states like this if you just find the right candidate. It doesn't have to be a perfect candidate in these states because of the fact these guys have rec voting records that are much worse than the other candidates. But I will say, and you might know, the, the suspense may be killing you or you may know exactly the name who tops our list. And it wasn't even remotely close. Utah is a bright red state. Any Republican should be able to win there that is competent at all. The Republicans or Democrats tried all sorts of tricks in this past election to try to beat Mike Lee, and they still got blown out. 
There's no reason to not have a great senator from Utah, Mitt Romney, the number one target in the 2024 primaries from Stu here at Stu Does America and the Glenn Beck program. So I like to be uh, what they call an ideas man. And I got a good idea. All of these leftists are embracing the cancel culture. So if you can't beat them, join them. Today is your opportunity to cancel your left-leaning cell phone provider and make the switch to America's conservative cell phone carrier, it's Patriot Mobile. They now offer service with all three major networks, which means if you're with the big three and you like their service but you hate their values, stop giving them the money. You can access them (laughs) without giving them all that cash with Patriot Mobile. Now, this comes with a performance guarantee. If you're not happy with your coverage, you can switch among the big three major carriers for free. Patriot Mobile shares your values. Your hard-earned money should not go towards the destruction of America. Get great cell service right now. 100% U.S.-based customer service team will make switching really easy at patriotmobile.com slash back or call them at 878-PATRIOT. 878-PATRIOT. patriotmobile.com slash back. Glenn Beck. Triple eight seven twenty seven B E C K is the phone number. Is Gl- the Glenn Beck program with Stu? Maybe we can bring in Pat Gray for a little bit here. See if he what he's got going on as well today. Uh, it's coming up here on the program. You can get in line as well on on the phones. Triple eight seven twenty seven B E C K and join Blaze TV. Blaze TV dot com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. Get Pat Gray unleash this program every day and Stu does America. The Glenn Beck program. Pat, are you uh, are you there? I'm here. All right. Are cool. you there? So I am here. I'm right here, right Good. here in Texas, Good. unable okay. to go apparently anywhere else, uh, <laughs> even down the street, uh, totally off limits. To I, right know. Now. So, uh, I know. I uh, know. <laughs> all right. We're going to join this uh, program here back in a second with uh, Pat mm-hmm. in, in seconds. Thanks for listening to the Glenn Beck program. <clears throat> It is the Glenn Beck program from snowy, icy, wintry, ski slope, Texas, where no one can get out on the roads today. So we're doing our shows from home. Glenn is having all sorts of tech problems. He's going to join us potentially here at some point. Um, I wanted to bring in Pat Gray as well so we can go through some of the issues of the day. In fact, one of the one that, one of the issues that's, I think, pretty interesting is Trump starting to carve out a differentiating point here in the primaries. How can he differentiate himself from 
his other rivals. We'll look at the way he's trying to do that here coming up in 60 seconds. So what is the value of $20? How far is that going to get you these days? Maybe not too far with a lot of things, but if I could convince you that it might change your life if you're one of the millions of Americans who live with frequent and debilitating pain. Would it be worth it? Because 20 bucks will get you a trial pack of Relief Factor. It's going to try to relieve your pain, and 70% of the people who try it go on to order more. It has four key ingredients that work with your body to fight inflammation, which is the cause of most of our problems in our pain in our body. So try the three-week quick start. 1995, it's a trial. 1995, try it for three weeks. It's relieffactor.com or call 1-800-4-RELIEF. Relieffactor.com. Feel the difference. Now, as part of your Blaze TV subscription, and of course, we also encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. Not only Stu Does America, but also Pat Gray Unleashed. Pat Gray joins us now. Thanks for popping on here, Pat. Yep. Happy to be here. Uh, there's nowhere else to go, nothing else to do. So, you know, we might as well be on the air today. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing this from my home office and looking out our windows here. And uh, the my driveway is nothing but solid ice. And out further, the street is nothing but solid ice, covered by just a little skiff of snow so you can't see the solid ice. So... Things are going really well here in Texas right now. It's really beautiful. Uh, it is. I don't think outsiders. I don't amazing. think outsiders still understand what happens here with this with these ice storms. I mean, it's not like a snowstorm. It's it's uh, really really deadly when when it does this. It's true. I mean, we, we, even the day before this hit, it, we had some freezing on the roads, and you could feel it. I mean, people were there was accidents all over the place. And at some level, yes, I as a northeasterner, I would like to just blame uh, terrible mm-hmm. drivers in Texas, and I do understand mm-hmm. that that is uh, it is probably part of it. People not used to driving in this stuff, uh, and yeah. also not prepared. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I have my car is rear rear wheel drive. Uh, and is not equipped to go anywhere in this particular environment. That's because, you know, 99.9% of the time, you don't have to deal with it. So the, the society just has come right. together and said, we, were, we are going to do nothing to prepare for this. Yeah. So that's why we have four snow trucks and about, uh, I don't know, one and a half salt trucks. So, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a mess. But you mentioned Trump, and apparently he's tried to differentiate himself a little bit. Uh, with his policy toward Ukraine, kind of interesting. Everybody else disagrees with him. All, all the other Republicans are like, mm, no, that's not that's not how you do it. But he says he can solve the war within 24 hours. Uh, I have my doubts, but he's very confident. Very confident. Uh, yeah, he made no. his last... He made his last comments on Saturday in South Carolina. He said, even now, despite tremendous loss of lives and destruction of much of that country, I would have a peace deal negotiated within 24 hours. You can make a peace deal. You can you can do a deal for both right now. 24 hours. So 24 hours and we're out of this thing. That's tempting, isn't it? Uh, it's tempting. I mean, look, we all know that uh, Trump, uh, you know, makes grand mm. statements and uh, not <laughs> yeah. always 
precise in in, in <laughs> the details in those statements. Um, but I will say, directionally, you kind of think that he would be the type of person who would be able to go in there and negotiate this. I mean, he, you know, he's he's had a, a relatively good relationship uh, with you know both of these parties over the years. Obviously, you know, it was one of the things that the left complained about that he was. T- he was having dealings with Zelensky that were too close and too tight. That's yeah. why they tried to impeach him. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. Could he do this? I don't know. But I will say it's interesting that he's he's looking for this point to separate himself, like he did in the 2016 campaign when it came to Iraq. You know, he was the only one out there saying we shouldn't have been in the Iraq war. It was a disaster I knew from the beginning, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know. I mean, I think at the time that was a controversial stance among the Republican base but I don't think this in particular is a, a, con- a con- controversial stance. I think the funding to Ukraine is one of those things that Republican voters have really tired of hearing about. And they mm-hmm. don't want to be involved in this. They just see it as a, a nonstop mm-hmm. quagmire and a way for us to be spending money for the next multiple decades. I know I'm tired of spending a hundred billion plus. And, and every week, it seems, we add another several billion to it. I mean, they just did that bill for, was it 50 or 60 billion? And then uh, a week later, they were doing another two and a half billion. Now they put them on different ledger sheets because they're, they're in different categories. One is humanitarian aid, one is military aid, one is some other kind of aid. But to me, it's just, it's all our money going somewhere else, money that we don't have to spend. And we've been promised by our leadership that they're gonna continue to do it indefinitely. So it's a little bit frightening, and it's nice. It's nice, at least, to see somebody, in this case Donald Trump, actually calling for, "Hey, let's put an end to it." And nobody else seems to be doing that. Yeah, you know, and Pat, it's funny because I spent the whole last hour talking about stuff like the debt ceiling and who to primary because the you know our debt is so out of control. And so I, I you know, I think you and I and Glenn and a few other people seem to be the only people on the right left <clears throat> who care about spending anymore. Um, yeah. But like, even all that being said, as much as I care about spending, it's not even my top priority here when it comes to our involvement in this war. I am much more concerned that the Biden-Harris administration is walking us closer and closer to direct conflict with Russia. And yeah, I don't are. want any. I don't want any part of that. I don't have any faith that this uh, administration can walk this line successfully. And even if you think, you know, hey, Ukraine, uh, you know, is the victim of aggression here, and we want to hold this line so that Russia doesn't roll into NATO and it gets worse, the the way we're doing this, saying things like we're going to. Uh, outwardly do press conferences bragging about how we're sending offensive weapons into this war to Mm -hmm. potentially, and the goal being to kill Russian soldiers, I know we wouldn't take that nicely if Russia was doing it to us, and I expect they're not going to as well. At some point, they're going to cross a line and say, look, we're just at war with America, let's admit it, and let's start attacking them. I, I could see that happening. I mean, we're doing exactly what Biden said less than a year ago. We would absolutely not do because it would lead to uh, World War Three. And he said that was offensive weapons like tanks. Well, now we're sending him 31 uh, A1 Abrams tanks. And that goes exactly against what they were saying less than a year ago. So, yeah, we're sending him offensive weapons now. 
this is for a big offensive that they're going to try to drive the the Russians back out of uh, out of Ukraine, and we'll see. I mean, they're also begging us for uh, F-16s, which I wouldn't be surprised if we caved in on that too. Yeah, I mean, we said over and over again we wouldn't do that. We said we would not do a no-fly zone. We said we would not do tanks. I believe uh, the quote from Joe Biden was, we would not give uh, offensive weapons like tanks and planes and trains, which, again, I don't know of the offensive <laughs> train weapon that we have. If we, <laughs> if we do have that, I, I'm a, I, first of all, it sounds really cool, um, but does <laughs> does not seem to be... The, the smartest uh, weapon out there. It's like if you're putting <laughs> <laughs> your attack train on on rails and like they're going to know where it's going to go. Like this, this is just how trains work. Oh, and we, honestly, he did, he he did, did say, say trains. He is so bad. He is so stupid. Uh, so <laughs> cognitive, cognitively uh declined that he thinks a train is an offensive weapon i love that <laughs> i don't know how that would work i mean like you'd know they'd know exactly either. where it was going in advance they'd, they'd see the yeah. tracks they could just yeah. like blow up the tracks it would stop it <clears throat> i mean honestly a, an offensive like bus would be more more worthwhile than an offensive train an offensive motorcycle, uh, an offensive big wheel would be better than an offensive uh, train. Yes, yes, it would, because you don't know where the big wheel's going until it gets there. <laughs> it might go slowly, but <laughs> so. at least you don't know which way. And I mean, what is the offensive weaponry that you put on a train? I because I've yet to see it. No, I know it's a it, it is a, a shocking uh, shocking discovery, and he, I think he let go of some really important American intelligence that we've been developing train <laughs> weapons, and we didn't we didn't even know it. Didn't uh, know it. Nope. <laughs> Look, if we if we do have offensive trains, I actually support giving them to Ukraine because what else are we going to do with them? I, we shouldn't be making them. If we have some leftovers, no. they can take them if they want them. Because I, I, you can't help but notice, in America, our trains only lead to places that are still us. So um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we need them as offensive weapons. So I will say, if any administration was going to make uh, train weapons, it would be this one. He's always talking about being on the train. The guy's like, he thinks he's the yes. best friend with Mr. Amtrak, whoever that is. Who's been dead for about 30 <laughs> years or whatever. So, yeah, but he has traveled two million miles on the train, so he knows wow. him. He, knows he had him. keys to the trains, uh, Pat. Now, he's the only president that had keys to the trains, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> hung out with the engineers all the time. What a weirdo. Um, all right, I want to get into how this separates Trump from uh, the rest of the field. And Trump's newest tactic on, on COVID and the response there as it, re as it relates to DeSantis. We'll get into that in a minute. It's Stu and Pat Gray here in for Glenn on the Glenn Beck Program. When your kids ask themselves, what is life all about? What is the meaning of life? Where are they getting their answers? What guidelines have you put in their hands to make sure they have access to the right answers? There is no short supply of wrong answers now. We need our, we, we need help as parents. And the Tuttle Twins are there with a great new book called The Tuttle Twins and the 12 Rules Boot Camp, which is modeled after Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life book. It's a book for kids of all ages. Tuttle Twins will teach them what they need to know, just as Jordan Peterson tells us, the meaning of life 
is bound up in personal responsibility. And nobody's teaching that now. Go to TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Get this book now. It's free for the next few days. Um, So just pay for the shipping and that's it. Go to TuttleTwins.com. I'm sorry, TuttleTwinsBeck.com. That's TuttleTwinsBeck.com. And while they last, get their new book free. 10 seconds, station ID. All right, it's Pat and Stu in for Glenn on the Glenn Beck program. Uh, We were talking about Donald Trump and his primary hopes here as he goes into 2024. And one of the differentiating points he's made here is to say, I'm I want this war over with. I don't want to keep dumping money into it. I want this thing over with. And a bunch of the candidates that are rumored to be getting into the race tend to be from the more hawkish side of the Republican uh, spectrum. You have people like John Bolton, who's basically saying he's in. I, I don't think he moves on this issue whatsoever. This is his branding. He's the the hawkish guy. Uh, but you have people like Mike Pompeo, Mike Pence, and Nikki Haley, who I think Haley's expected to get in in just a few weeks. Uh, but all, again, I think would land on that same side of the hawkish leaning side. And some of them will move, some of them won't. But I do think that uh, Trump's positioning here with Ukraine will probably move the field. I I think people will start chasing him and starting to act like they're the ones that are most against funding this war. The other potential people jumping in, you know, there's a whole swath of them. Ted Cruz, Christy Noem, Rick Scott, Tim Scott, uh, Glenn Youngkin, Ron DeSantis, of course. None of them have endorsed this sort of negotiating position with Trump uh, and Ukraine uh, where he's gone with this. Pat, do you think the where do you think the base is on this and where do you think these candidates go? I think a good portion of the base really tired of really tired of the war um, and our participation in it. I, I, you know, like us, I think they fear that we're getting closer and closer to ground troops. We're we're getting we're sending advisors. We've got to teach them how to use these tanks. Uh, that that is uh, something that we started doing in Vietnam, sending advisors and trainers and and uh, it, just a a pre-war group of people to to help to help out. And then all of a sudden you're actually sending boots on the ground. And that's that's the fear here. And so I I think the American people are are tired of it. We've just come from a 20 year war and then pulled out of it terribly. Uh, one of the probably the worst withdrawal in the history of war uh, on this planet. And we left behind $85 billion worth of weaponry. I, I mean, I think we're sick of it. I, I think we're tired of it. And I, I don't know that anybody wants to continue or to continue to get us deeper enmeshed in this mess. Yeah, and I think I think you're totally right on your reading of the, the base. I think that's where the voters are. And again, that's how this primary gets decided. So it is really important as to where they are. When it comes to when it comes to the the other candidates in this race, you know, I, I remember back in 2015 and 2016 as we were going through that process, and Trump came out against the Iraq War. He was one of the you know earliest people who might lean right that were against it, and and when he said it, it it really broke a long string of of even people who were skeptical of the Iraq War. They wouldn't come out and, and straight criticize it as bad from the beginning there would be some questions about the process there would be questions about how we were fighting the war 
But there weren't a lot of people on the right who were saying this was a massive mistake from day one. Trump came out and mm-hmm. said that, and I think not only moved the other candidates in the race, but also moved the base. He he almost gave it gave them the okay to hate the Iraq war. And I wonder if the same thing is happening here in, with Ukraine, where you know I think a lot of people saw you know Russia invading this country and. You know, it's still relatively popular, the funding, generally speaking, among Republicans. Uh, I think it's 56% support right now, even in December of uh, just a month ago. So there's still support there. But I, I, I think when this primary really begins, Trump is out there talking against it. These other candidates, a lot of them will get on board speaking against the way this is being handled. And I think that number is going to fall through the floor over the next six months to a year. Yeah, I, I do too. I agree. Uh, but uh, it, it's I, I'm not sure we were even in the same place in 2016 when Trump came along in 2015 and 16. When he came along and, and started saying that the that he was against the war from the very beginning. And, you know, there was some evidence against that. But still, I, I think he did drag some people along. But now here we are seven years later. And I think we're even further down that road. I, so I, I think people have had it. I, I think we want to use our military when we're attacked. And uh, short of that, maybe we stay out of it now. Maybe we stop being the world's policemen. And, and I think that's where a lot of people are, or, or certainly will be by the time uh, this election comes around. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, thinking about the actual cost of this, we, we, you mentioned the hundred billion dollars we've poured into this effort. And like you could certainly make an argument that maybe some of the humanitarian stuff is more is more defensible uh, because we're not mm-hmm. directly involved in a war. Right. Like we're not risking a nuclear conflict with Russia when you start sending tra- yeah. tanks and training and targeting of Russian uh, uh, troops, you get really into dangerous uh, territory. And, you know, I think when you when you kind of step back, you say, OK, $100 billion is a lot of money. Well, that's just the beginning. Remember, this is just yeah. one year of this. We've already committed to right. what what the president is calling basically infinite spending as long as it takes. And mm-hmm. that does not even include the rebuilding of this country of this country. One that when this is all over, you've got a bunch of piles of rock that used to be called cities. And these cities will be rebuilt by somebody. And guess who's going to carry a large portion of that price tag? Us. It it will be us. There's no question about that. And have you seen the photos and the videos of what's happened in Ukraine? I mean, that country has been decimated. It is going to take a massive rebuild into the trillions of dollars. And yes, that, that burden is going to mostly fall to us. Zelensky's already said they don't have the money for it. Yeah. And the fact that, again, like I know this is a tough situation for them. I understand. But like the fact that that's how they say it, they basically demand all of these things. And we're like, okay, and and it's a proxy. It's a proxy war. And this is not a surprise to Vladimir Putin. This is not a surprise to Medvedev. This is not a surprise to their oligarchs. They all see it. They all know we're involved in this. And we're all playing this game where, of course, we don't want to annihilate Uh, each other and you know the world ends so we're all playing you know we're kind of walking this line and this dance is the sort of dance that joe biden is incapable of continuing successfully at some point we're going to cross this line and it's going to get a lot uglier 
I just hope we don't see that day. I'm going to have more with Pat Gray here coming up in just a second. It's 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK, blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn to save yourself 10 bucks off of Blaze TV. It's Pat Gray from Pat Gray Unleashed, which is part of your membership, as well as Stu from Stu Does America. Back with more in a second. The Glenn Back Program. You wouldn't think that there would be science to something as getting a good night's sleep, uh, but getting a good rest, actually, there is science to that. Mike Lindell has cracked the code on comfortable sleep a long time ago, and he's been passing it on to you with his amazing products. I don't even know how his pillows work. I don't really care. I just know... I stick my fists through each end of them. They don't get hot. They don't get flat. I'm not constantly fluffing them all night. And he also has the Giza Dream Sheets, which are now at their lowest price. coming in as low as $29.98. And they're made with the world's best, softest cotton. It's Giza cotton. Ultra soft, breathable, and durable. They come with a 10-year warranty, which you name the sheets that do that. Use the promo code BECK when you go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener special square. Use the promo code BECK, and you'll find that special along with a lot of others at MyPillow.com. That's MyPillow.com or 800-966-3117. Head over to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Get Pat Gray Unleashed, Studios America, and so much more. Use the promo code Glenn to save 10 bucks. And hello, you sick, twisted freak. Welcome to the uh, program. Finally, after two days... I have uh, internet happening, uh, not at my house, of course not. Uh, I have it at my barn, which is wonderful this time of year. Nice and cozy and warm. Uh, Wait until I tell you the experience that we had with the uh, internet provider. Oh, no, no. Oh, no. Could they be ripping people off? No, absolutely not. We'll get into that here in just a second. Uh, First, thank you, Stu, for taking uh, the first uh, half of the uh, program. I appreciate it. Um, We want to talk continue our conversation here on the candidates. Um, You know, we just went through where Donald Trump has some real credibility with uh, ending wars. Um, And I'm not sure where DeSantis, you know, I, I haven't seen proof of DeSantis in action. We have seen it with Donald Trump. But let's talk about COVID now. Yeah, it seems like one of the the approaches right now. From, <laughs> yes, uh, from Trump. Oh, I is, can't hear Stu. This is wonderful. Okay, of course. Go ahead, well, Stu. Here, thank you. I'll, I'll take it here for a second as we solve these uh, technical issues. We appreciate the uh, everybody uh, hanging out and uh, and a little understanding here with uh, what we're trying to accomplish here. Um, and what's interesting about what Trump is doing is. He, I think, Sorry. sees appropriately a potential weak point uh, for his run in the COVID response stuff. You know, people remember going back to March and April of 2020, you know, when you heard the phrase two weeks to stop the spread, the person standing on the stage was Donald Trump. And I think everybody has some sort of remembrance of that. And I think you're going to see candidates in the field try to go to Trump's right, if you will, and say Donald Trump was the guy who had Anthony Fauci standing by his side, 
who had Dr. Burke standing by his side, who uh, told us two weeks to stop the spread, who then told us after those two weeks were over, another month to stop the spread. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of criticism o- over the vaccines uh, among the Republican base. And Trump has kind of held the line there and said, look, these things were great and they they saved a bunch of lives. Does the base agree with that? And again, it matters what the base agrees with because they're the ones who are going to make these decisions. So how do you handle that if you're Donald Trump? You can kind of see the first steps in his approach as as he was talking on the plane the other day where he said, Look, you know, a lot of these governors are out there bragging about their COVID responses. You know, Florida shut down. Florida shut down. People forget this. Florida shut down. I think is what he said was a lot longer than some of the others. And, you know, in sort of normal Trump fashion, there's some truth to that. It's probably exaggerated. I mean, I think you look at the DeSantis response to COVID and most people on the conservative side of the spectrum look at it as a good response. They say. So here's the here's the problem that I have with uh, Mm -hmm. with Donald Trump is, um, you know, he he is the guy who suspended. However, however, in his favor, um, I give everyone a pass. Well, except for Fauci, because of what he knew was going on, according to documents, Um, I give I give almost everybody a pass that everybody was trying to do the right thing. Everybody was, um, you know, 10, 10 days to s- slow the spread. Um, I give you a pass on. However, it should have not been mandatory. It should have been, we believe, 10 days to, uh, to stop the spread is advisable. Shouldn't have been a mandatory thing. That comes from the World Economic Forum. That comes from the Treasury Department. Uh, and event, what was it, 201 or 203, um, the, the strategy planning done by the WEF and, and the Bill Gates Foundation and all of that. They had this plan. They walked it into the president. Never been done before. Shouldn't have been done. If you are a constitutionalist, you would have said no. Donald Trump is not necessarily a constitutionalist, although he's better than most, it seems, at times. Um, I, I wonder if DeSantis would have done it because he did close down the state. But again, in the beginning, I give everybody forgiveness, um, DeSantis and Trump alike. But there comes a point to where you got to say, OK, this was really bad. We shouldn't ever do that again. And I haven't heard that from Donald Trump. Have you? Um, I think we've heard a little bit of that. We've heard um, bits and pieces of that, um, though I still think he's out of step with the base on some of some of it. What's fascinating is really the argument for DeSantis and his response is very similar to the argument to Donald Trump and his success, right? Like if you like Trump's response, what you would say is, he turned on these restrictions relatively quickly. Now, he turned slower than DeSantis did. Remember, Donald Trump was out there criticizing Brian Kemp, who was really the first one, at least in that area, uh, to turn uh, to turn around on those restrictions. You know, I think you could look at people like Christy Noem uh, in, in South yeah. Dakota. Uh, Iowa was another state that never closed down. But, you know, again, when you look at the spectrum of responses, both Trump and 
uh, DeSantis would be, I think, on the right side of that for most conservatives. Mm -hmm. So, like, they're trying to needle. I mean, DeSantis has not participated in this criticism yet, but like they will eventually be needling each other on this response. And really, you know, it's it is I think there are definitely parts to criticize of Trump's response. DeSantis's response, I think, was more standard for Republicans. And both of them stood up pretty strongly eventually and got to that point where they said, look, this is wrong and we should not be doing this. The question with Trump is one of his weak points is going to be he went through his entire administration with Anthony Fauci Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everyone looks at Fauci as the center point of this. And over and over and over again, every one of his competitors in this primary are going to show pictures of Donald Trump sitting there praising Anthony Fauci, standing next to him, Fauci praising Trump. All that stuff really happened. That wasn't a dream, even though it seems like it at this point. I don't think that's going to matter to people who would vote for Trump if if Trump uh stands up at some point i want to hear both of them say this look we did the best we could we took the advice we could we were in an emergency situation we didn't know then what we know now however the most important thing we learned is you cannot do these style things it should never happen again and we should be passing laws to make sure it never happens again um the the we all gave everyone the benefit of the doubt, Fauci, and we gave the benefit of the doubt to uh, our pharmaceutical companies. Everybody stepped up. We didn't know at the time. And I'd like to hear Rick and or sorry, Ron and uh, uh, Donald Trump say this, um, that we didn't know at the time that there were deals with the government and the pharmaceutical companies we didn't know at the time that gain of function research was going on and is still going on so i want to have a frank and open honest uh, discussion and uh, really hearing on everything that happened but the first step is we are to never ever the federal government Uh, close down businesses and close everything down from the federal level people were already isolating before we did it we're Mm -hmm. not going to do that ever again and we are going to make sure that it never happens again through uh, legislation Uh, that's what i want to hear Yes, I think we need to do that, and through the courts as well. These, we need to get yeah. all these things on record and locked down through the court system to make sure this doesn't happen again. Glenn, let me. Uh, can I ask you a couple of non-binding prediction questions for the future? I'm not going to hold you to these. Okay. I'm not going to hold you to these. I'm not going to say you were an right. idiot for getting these wrong. I just want your okay. vibes at this very <laughs> moment. Okay. Okay. So we know we have DeSantis and Trump in this uh, back and forth here at the top of the primary. Likely, there will be a third person who at least has a run at some point. Someone who gets, I don't know, into double digits in a few polls, maybe puts some pressure on one of the two candidates, maybe passes one of the two candidates and has an outside chance of winning. Let me give you some names of people who are being thrown around right now. Tell me who you you think your number three is in this race right now. You've got John Bolton, Mike Pompeo. No. Mike Pence. No. Nikki Haley. No. Ted Cruz. No. Christy Noem. Maybe, but I lean towards no. Okay. Rick Scott from Florida. Maybe, but I lean okay. towards no. Tim Scott, South Carolina. Um, 
that's the first one that I think is like, yeah, probably could be. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Uh, Glenn Youngkin from Virginia. No. no. I hope to God not. Right. You're that down, that down no, on Youngkin I just, already? I, no, I, I mean, I just, I, I want to see governors that are leading uh, like uh, Ron DeSantis is. I want to see governors understand and verbalize the country is on fire and we are building a barricade around our state it's why i I, i'm sorry but i don't give texas i give texas a hard time and i think they deserve it um they are acting like it's business as usual maybe a little dicey this isn't a rainstorm this is a category seven hurricane what are we what are we doing I want to see governors who have actually taken hard stands and are continually moving the ball forward, not playing, um, uh, not playing where at least we're not them, and certainly not uh, playing defense. I want somebody on the offense. Mm. Um, and uh, and you, know, you mentioned Texas and Greg Abbott's another one you throw in there. I assume you would say no on him. No. Larry... Larry Hogan, Liz Cheney from the left has been rumored no. as well. No. So yeah. really no one there that you you think there's no one obvious. All these people are very low in the polls. Tim Scott is the one you maybe said had potential as a as a. Yeah, I three. think there's. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think predicting any of this stuff at this point is it's crazy uh, is crazy. That's why it's non-binding. It's, that's yeah, why I it, non-binded you. <laughs> yeah, well, because it's it, this is. This literally all of this stuff could change overnight. We, we could, you know, we could ha- with, be without power in 2024. We could also be the king of the world with some new Bitcoin in 2021. We have no idea what is coming. This is the most unstable the world has been in my lifetime. I, ca- I cannot think of another time that is more unstable than than it is right now. So let's. Let's all pretend we're alcoholics and take it one day at a time. All right, let me t- let me tell you about uh, Rough Green. Cheryl wrote in about her dog's experience. She said, "Glenn, I was actually really skeptical um, about you know Rough Greens and it would have any effect on my dogs. However, my dog got sick, was have, had surgery, wasn't doing well, and I decided well, I'm going to just at least try it. Eleven year old dog surgery. She said within a week's time she was playing like a pup." Uh, totally amazed at how better both of my dogs' digestion has been, which I think, is that code for dog farts? Is that, because I, I don't know if they make that claim. Although, it's, well, never mind. Uh, all right, Rough Green, thank you for, thank you for, sorry for wrecking that nice testimonial, Cheryl. Thank you for writing in. Rough Greens is not a dog food, it's a supplement developed by naturopathic doctor Dennis Black. Has everything in it your dog needs, you just put it on top. Rough Greens, so confident that your dog's going to love it, that they want to make sure that you feel comfortable ordering it and, you know, and you don't lose out on any money if your dog doesn't like it. So, they're going to send you a trial pack for free, you just pay for shipping, sprinkle it on your dog's food for a few days and see if he'll eat it. If he'll eat it, order the big bag and make sure you put it on every meal and you'll see a remarkable difference. At least I did with my dog. Stu did. Pat did. Free trial bag. Pay for shipping. Roughgreens.com slash Beck. R-U-F-F greens.com slash Beck. Or call 833-GLEN-33. 833-GLEN-33. Roughgreens.com slash Beck. Join the conversation. 888-727-BECK. 
the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. We're so glad you joined us. Um, I think technically we're pretty sound now. Okay, it only took us two days. Texas is insane. Everything stops. There's not, I mean, I'd be out there in the front with salt shakers. Uh, and that's like, that's it. That's it. You're not, you're not clearing any of the ice. It hasn't snowed here, but we have about half an inch of ice on all of the roadways. We don't have sand. We don't have salt trucks. So it's great. It's great. And tomorrow, another ice storm is coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I ju- don't you feel like you're in nursery school? I mean, it's, it's like nowhere else, nowhere else in America does this happen. And you're like, uh, I'm out. And it happens every year. Yeah, it's it's basically turns into April 2020 COVID, where no it does. It where does. no one goes out. <laughs> I know the entire society is like it's like a three day pandemic. Yeah, it's it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. So uh, broadcasting from uh, my barn, which does not uh, look like Stu's porno palace at his house. I don't even know what that is, Stu. But uh, I it's my wife's podcast studio. What it's are you a talking weird about? studio. I don't know what your wife no, is, is talking not. about it's on just, her podcast. It's weird. It's weird it's the lisa page made me do it podcast it's very girly uh but i will right. say uh, it's, it does have a very fluorescent yes sign behind me yes. and I, yes. I yes that is a little yes, it does not, not normally where you see your news talk uh, host no, broadcasting it's, no it's not no it's not well look at where you are you you said it was a barn that does not look like a barn to me all i see i see cars behind you it, it this that's just, that's that's a barn to you as a person who's never done outdoor work in his entire no, no, life wait. hey this i call it a barn because it used to be a barn it was this used to be a horse stall um i bought terry bradshaw's old place and uh it was this nasty nasty uh horse stall that was full of all kinds of deadly stuff down here in Texas. And so we just, we gutted it. So it is a barn. It's just not a normal barn on the inside. Yeah, well, you, you mean nothing, when you no change work. something, right? <laughs> when you change something to something else, it ceases to be the thing it was. That's how the transition Really? Work. Really? Mm-hmm. I remember it was about a week before I finished and I thought to myself, I am five days away from fundamentally transforming this barn. And nobody has a problem when you transform America. I guess it's still America. Point made, Stu. Back in just a second. The Glenn Beck Program. Um, Stu, we got to get, uh, I don't know if you you know this, but there's a, there was a raid happening, I think, this morning uh, with the FBI uh, again at uh, at uh, Joe Biden's place. I mean, I, what yeah. is happening? What it's is so happening? strange? Yeah. And, and it's funny because like I as much as like if you're going to raid Donald Trump's house over the stuff, you probably should raid Joe mm-hmm. Biden's house over the stuff. Right. Though I will say the precedent of the FBI raiding sitting and former president's homes is it's not funny. a good one. Not a no. good one. No. Mm-mm. Uh, so we get uh, Jason on this, who's been watching it this morning. Also, uh, there was al- already another raid at Joe Biden's house that you never heard about. Never heard of it. Happened in November. 
The White House, we're being completely transparent, lied. Lied to the American people. Is anybody going to care? Does anyone care about any of this stuff? I think the answer is yes, but we don't think anything's going to be done. Back in a minute. entertainment and enlightenment this is the glenn back program hello you sick twisted freak welcome to wednesday uh there's some updates on the secret document scandal uh and also more is coming out about hunter biden that is extraordinarily disturbing how much is America going to take before it stands up and says, this has to be addressed? How much more? We begin in 60 seconds. Hey, I've got good news for you. First of all, let me tell you, several of America's largest banks are teaming up to create something that they call a digital wallet. Wow. Uh, it takes all of them to get together to create this. This is cutting edge technology. So this digital wallet will compete with something called Apple Pay. Uh-huh. Really? Why are you guys why are you guys doing that? Exactly. It's being run by a company. I'm not calling I'm not kidding you. Being run by a company called Early Warning Services. Oh, that doesn't that doesn't sound shady or spooky in the slightest. Um, maybe we should probably look into this. It, the project involves Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan Chase, and Bank of America, which all have, you know, something else in common. They've all been fined billions of dollars a year for allegedly ripping off consumers. So nothing to see here, gang. Nothing to see here. Maybe they're testing these newfangled digital wallets, you know, um, even though they own the companies that provide the services, they're creating a new one for complete control of everybody's dollars i'm i'm not i'm not sure have you considered spreading out your risk and uh putting some of your money not in dollars because the dollar is we're now cut off on the petro dollar uh, saudi arabia nobody's talking about it saudi arabia just said nah, you know what petro dollars we'll take anything We'll take clams if you want oil. Oh, that's going to be good. That's going to be really good. Please understand gold, silver, precious metals should be an important part of anything that you have. A 10% of anything that you have, please. Goldline is offering a huge special now on their newest quarter ounce gold uh, round. It is 99.9% pure. It's the 400th anniversary of the Mayflower. Oh, this will make you popular with the cool kids. 
400th anniversary of the Pilgrims and the Mayflower. It's happening this week. Every tube of 25 acquired, you're going to receive a five-pack of Gold Line's exclusive two-ounce silver Maple Flex bars. No additional cost. $400 in value of free medals just for being a listener of this program. Call 866-GOLDLINE, 866-GOLDLINE, or goldline.com. All right. Jason uh, Batrill, who has uh, a update for us, Jason, um, give me uh, give me the update on what is happening now with Joe Biden and the FBI. Hello, Glenn. Well, I'm sure everyone's seeing this all over Twitter, and there's like aerial cams from helicopters going over uh, President Biden's house right now, and they're live streaming the FBI raiding his house, uh, looking for these classified documents. Did everyone see that? No. They're not treating it uh, the same way that they did. And this is amazing. They, they've been in their house. Uh, sources told CNBC, I think, were the first to report this. It was a very small story. Uh, I didn't hardly hmm. see anyone reporting on it. Um, but they've been there. They, they, the FBI just recently uh, took a look at his uh, D.C. think tank office. That took them around 12 hours. Uh, so I'm assuming they're going to be there probably all day. Um this is really unprecedented. Stu mentioned this earlier, what they're opening this up, the precedent that it opens up here. And the reason why is because you're looking at a, uh, a weaponized Department of Justice and FBI. And I think when you look at this on a timeline, I think this, was, this uh, is covering up as one of the biggest election interferences in American history. Um, can I explain that, Glenn? <laughs> yes. Can you? Um I can. So I, when we first heard about this, when the timeline started become materializing, um, the Biden's lawyers found classified docs at the D, uh, D.C. think tank office on November 2nd. Um, why did we not hear anything then? Because that was in the, in the very middle of the hoopla surrounding Trump and the raid of Mar-a-Lago. Why didn't we hear about this update? Well, just six days later were the midterms. They couldn't let it go because what we all know is that the raid of Mar-a-Lago was just a big political stunt. That's all it was. They were losing hardcore in the polls. They knew that they were about to take a big defeat in the midterms. They needed a whammy. And that whammy was the raid on Donald Trump's house. That's what it was. We all knew what it was. Now we're seeing it materialize. That's exactly what was going on. Well, one day later, the DOJ on November 9th, the DOJ and the FBI decided, you know what? I think we should look at these classified documents found in his home. I think maybe it could have been a violation of federal law. We're going to look into it. Oh, really? A day after the midterms? Now you're going to decide? But because of the slow drip process, we didn't even hear about that. We only just now heard about that just a few weeks ago. And now well, that the FBI there's... is now moving on some of these places, we're starting to see that the FBI is completely boxed in. They've been caught. They were outed in this scheme to, to work with the Democrats, to, to tank Republicans, to tank Donald Trump. And now they're like, OK, well, crud, we have to move. We have to do a raid. We have to get involved and show that, hey, at least we're taking this seriously. Will they eventually in the end? Highly doubt it, because this has been a sham since the beginning. All right. So here's the here's the, a couple of questions. First, um, you didn't touch on what CBS News has just reported, that the FBI conducted another undisclosed search of the Penn Biden Center back in November. I think that uh, you might have just mentioned that in in um, in passing here. They yeah. they knew that the uh, that these uh, were in existence. They knew this was a problem, but they go and they raid it, and the White House hasn't ever talked about it. 
The White House is telling America that they're very, very transparent. They're cooperating 100 percent. Who is shutting down the information? Who is who? Is there a single journalist that would like to win? Well, you're not going to win a Pulitzer because you have to lie to win one of those. Is there anybody that cares enough about the truth, no matter where it falls, that they're going to tell the truth? No, we just found out about that raid that you just mentioned this week. We found out about it this week. It happened way back then. I mean, you remember when all of this, it was almost kind of like a a drip process when they went to move on Trump. Remember remember how investigative these journalists were being? They were looking at torn up notes and and toilet bowls. That's like, they were like, oh, exclusive. We found these torn up notes. Look how careless he is. Then we start finding out about these classified docs at Mar-a-Lago. That's the links they were willing to go. All of this stuff, like you have lawyers involved within the Biden administration. You have the DOJ involved, the FBI involved. Going back months, and not a single journalist knew a thing about it. All right. So, of course, that's not true. So, um, Jason, tell me, what do you think is happening? Why would the FBI be raiding his house yet again? Why would they be doing this today? Well, I seriously think that, I mean, this could point toward, because we we know that it was a two-pronged reason for raiding uh, Mar-a-Lago and Donald Trump. One, uh, it was a heck of a it was a it was a heck of a pre-October surprise for the midterm election. That's one. I think that was one of the biggest things. The second, they actually wanted to prosecute him. They, they did not want him to to run for president again the next election. That that was a big thing. Now, I don't think that anyone on the left wants Joe Biden to run again in 2024. I, I, I do not think they want him. He's vulnerable now, but so is Trump. I, I think right now they're kind of like gambling. Well. Yes, we open them both up to prosecution. They'll, they'll, they'll both be vulnerable. But do we care? Nah, I don't think they care. I, I think they, now they're, they're kind of like cutting their, you know, their losses and they're looking towards who actually they can find that's electable. I don't think they have too many people that are electable. But I think that they see the vulnerability of Joe Biden. That's a bonus you, for them. And they're going to continue th- with the vulnerability of, uh, of Donald Trump. They're going to make an this example. This is Banana Republic. This is Banana Republic stuff. You don't go in and raid a sitting president's home. You don't do it. We've never, ever done anything like this. We've never did it with Donald Trump. Now they're going and raiding a sitting president's home. That's fine if we had a Justice Department that we trusted, but we don't. We know they're not after real justice. So that leads you to what is what is it that they're after? This becomes extraordinarily dangerous for a republic. If your Justice Department is corrupt and the deep state is in charge and they can just take any president and go into their house and uh, raid it and uh, charge him on things that Hillary Clinton didn't go to jail for. Nobody went. I can't believe I'm actually kind of defending Joe Biden here um, because I'm defending the process. You should have done this from the beginning. Now they're using this as a political tool, I fear, because the biggest tool is Hunter Biden. And the things that are coming out about Hunter Biden are really, really damaging. Um, It looks we what was it yesterday, Jason? We had the story about. 
uh, Hunter's um, uh, Hunter setting up the biotech labs, the bioweapons labs in uh, Ukraine. He was the guy who helped start that and helped fund that. What's that all about? I mean, I think the, the, the further we start seeing that, that, the Ukraine stuff, the business dealings with Hunter Biden and the rest of his family, and why they were so like hyper-focused on Ukraine and why now they are so hyper-focused on making yeah. sure that you know everything is secure there. Uh, you know, they they got to make sure that you know all of those skeletons are completely buried. I don't even think that we're. I, I thought, we probably haven't even scratched the surface. I mean, we we've covered Burisma in detail. Now we're getting hints of this. Those are the things we know. What do we not know that they had their fingers in? I mean, this is getting absolutely insane. I you know the thing that bothers me so much is the amount of money that has gone over there. Because yeah. we know most of it has not gone to the front lines. We, we've had people on the front lines who have verified this. We're not seeing an influx of things. Where, where are all those things going? You're seeing um, 10 politicians had to step down because they were taking the aid and funneling it towards their families, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 10 politicians. We're not monitoring anything. <clears throat> and I think this is a huge uh, payoff. Did you see that it was, what was it, $2.5 billion, they say, uh, was given out uh, during the PPP program that shouldn't have been yeah. given out, all went to corruption? $2.5 billion. Do you know politically what could be done with a billion dollars, $10 billion? If this money is being funneled nefarious places, which is the only way dirty money ever goes, it's not like it goes to the church. This money is being funneled somewhere. Where? Who is using that money for what kind of a global campaign? Where's that money's influence being felt? We need to know this. Uh, Jason, um, are, is your, uh, is it your belief at this point that the government is going to move on Joe Biden more than this? Well, I, I kind of do because I, I, I don't think that I don't really see an out for the DOJ and FBI on this. I, I, I really don't. I mean, they've, they've already, you know, the grenade they dropped with Trump. And now all the revelations that are coming out about Biden, I just don't see how they can. I mean, they're going to try and minimize uh, and, you know, make it seem more benign what, what Biden did. Um, I, uh, I, I saw that uh, in, in just some of the early reporting on the raid to, or the, the FBI search today, they're trying to say that, you know, oh, Joe Biden is in full cooperation with the FBI, you know, more than happy to let the FBI search his home today. Um, there's no difference between that and what. Donald Trump did. He was right. in cooperation with the FBI. He allowed them access. They went and looked. They searched through the file folders, looked at everything, and said, hey, Mr. President, you should probably put a padlock on that door. Okay, so he did it. What is the difference? Really, what, what is the difference? There is no difference, but you can already see them. You, you know, they're calling their shot right now that they're going to try and make this look more benign. Um, they'll probably end up saying that, okay, we, we find no criminality here. For some weird magic trick, we find criminality with Donald Trump. But in the end, they're both uh, they're both vulnerable um, with the ultimate. So do you think that there is a 
do you think there's a chance that this is because this is what I'm hearing from people. The left is done with uh, the Bidens. And so yeah. now this is all coming from the deep state and they're just going to destroy him and his family. Yeah. And, and Glenn, just a real quick point on just how deep this deep state is, is right now and how much they are outing themselves. I mean, just look at the DOJ and the FBI. Look at what they did to the, the pro-life activists. You know, the um, hook know. was just uh, exonerated. But can, but can you believe that? that the DOJ actually, they knew they did not have a case, Glenn. They knew they did not have a case. They knew how flimsy it was. He wasn't even blocking that entrance. The, this other activist went towards uh, a hook, um, basically ran him down the street. Uh, and then he had, uh, as, as per in the court, the Planned Parenthood CEO admitted that this guy had those issues before. He had been confronting uh, people out on the street, which they're told not to do before. So the, the DOJ knew they didn't have a case. But what did they do? They still went because it was retaliation. They, their flagship banner issue, Roe v. Wade, had gotten overturned. So they wanted to deliver a gut punch. Had nothing to do with justice, but they are weaponized. I mean, this, well, on top of what's going on with Biden and Trump right now, there's the deep state right there. They are fully weaponized, and they're coming after you. Yeah, and that's, that's what disturbs me. Yesterday we had um, a guy who filed a lawsuit here in Texas against the ATF on uh, the, um, uh, what do you call them, the, the uh, stocks, the collapsible, collapsible stocks, but it's, um, what are they called? The, the pistols that can turn into rifles magically with the stabilizing oh, yeah. stock. Um, and yeah. they, the, F, uh, the ATF said that those are absolutely legal. They've been legal for years, blah, blah, blah. Now, through a stroke of a pen, not Congress or anything else, they decide that that's a felony to own one of those. In case you missed yesterday's podcast, um, we talked to the guy who was filing suit because yesterday was the day that it actually became uh, uh, a in the federal registry, which means it's now officially on the book. So the clock started running yesterday. You have 120 days before you're a felon. They they may not get away with this, but what they're doing when you say weaponizing, there's two things that people have to to understand. How a um, a national socialist kind of uh, takeover usually happens is they make so many things through regulation illegal that almost everybody's in violation of something, and then they apply pressure selectively. To who they want to apply pressure so if you have one of those um one of those guns and you haven't filed in 120 days because you're waiting for the court to speak on it what's going to happen to you they will arrest you even if they know it nothing's going to happen they want to make people's lives miserable through the system that way uh they can control you even if it doesn't end up uh that you have to be held in jail. The whole process is the real punishment. Uh, back on just a second, because we have some new information about Hunter Biden as well that is just, gosh, I don't know how people with a conscience actually uh, are, are navigating today's news and feeling good about it. All right, let me tell you, um, let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It's Tuttle Twins. Uh, no, wait, no, no, sorry, it's Preborn. This is great preborn is uh a uh, a sponsor of ours and they came into my office a year year and a half ago and it's a ministry to save babies 
And so it's all the money that they raised. I mean, it was like tithing money. It was God's money. And they come to me and they say, can you help? And I'm like, well, yeah, I think I can. Um, I think the audience will really appreciate it. I know I'm married into it. I've given. Um, And their goal was to save children. And with what Christ says to us about children and millstones, uh, I can't imagine anything that would bring down more blessings and more protection uh, than uh, would saving his children from abortion, from sex slavery, from any of these things. And we need favor in the eyes of God. We need to be fighting his fight. So what we've done is we have teamed up uh, with uh, Preborn and for $28, that's a cost of a dinner, you can sponsor five, uh, or you can sponsor an ultrasound, five of them for 140 Why an ultrasound? This is why Planned Parenthood hates ultrasounds, because you have an 80% chance of actually uh, changing the mo- mom's mind if she comes in wanting abortion. Make a donation now, even five bucks. Make a donation, dial pound 250, say the keyword baby, we have a goal of saving 70,000 children this year. It's pound 250, keyword baby, preborn.com slash Beck. 10 seconds, station ID. Okay. We so apologize to all of our guests that we have been off and on again and uh, had to bump because of... Uh, uh, technical reasons, but Sean Reyes uh, was bumped from earlier in the show, and he's made time to come back on with us. Um, he's going to be talking about something very, very positive. Uh, he is leading the way, along with 25 other states. These attorney generals are doing the hard work, and he is doing everything they can, along with 25 other states, to save your retirement. Wait until you hear this story and what's being done. It's a success story that you need to support. Back with Sean Reyes, the Attorney General from the great state of Utah, next. The Glenn Beck Program. Let's. Okay, let me uh, tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It's Tunneled Towers. Out of the ashes of 9-11, Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been honoring America's heroes in doing good for the world ever since. If you haven't heard of them, uh, let me just explain quickly. They are an organization started after 9-11 that provides mortgage-free homes to families of fallen and severely injured veterans and first responders. Okay, They want to take care of the families. They'll be taking care of hundreds of Gold Star and Fallen First Responder families, providing them with homes this year. It was 500 last year. It's going to be a lot more than that, unfortunately, this year. They also travel around with um, a 9-11 memorial kind of museum, and they can bring it to schools. They bring it all across the country, and they teach our children about 9-11. They're not learning that. Please help Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. Can you donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org? That's T, the number 2T.org. Tunnel to Towers. It's a great charity that we all need to pitch in and help if we can. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. You'll save 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV.
Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Uh, the guy that I think should be the one to save America from the peril that is Mitt Romney uh, and primary him in Utah is uh, Sean Reyes. He is the Utah Attorney General, a good friend and a very good man. Uh, welcome to the program. Sean, how are you, sir? I'm doing so well, Glenn. How are you doing? Good. You know, we don't deal with snow in Texas like you do in Utah. So I, my apologies for the cancellation earlier. And we are just a uh, we're a city, at least Dallas is is like it's worse than it was with covid. Nobody can oh, move man. because of the ice on the streets. But um, so thank you for your patience. Uh, Sean, of course. Uh, there was something that the Biden administration announced in November um, and this is so insidious. Uh, and oh. Joe Biden said that he wanted regulation now to be able to force everybody's retirement fund into ESG style uh, f- um, uh, funds that could dramatically impact the uh, the retirement accounts of millions of Americans. You have put together 25 states, the attorney generals, and you have filed a lawsuit um, against the Biden administration and trying to get that repealed. Tell me about it. Yeah, Glenn, we've filed Utah versus Walsh with 24 other states, just like you said, because the Biden administration is trying to implement a rule that is immoral, it is irresponsible, and it is totally illegal. And and the reason it's illegal uh, is that ERISA, which is the federal law that requires investment managers of private benefit plans like 401ks that you have, that I have, to pick investments based solely on financial reasons, to benefit right. the plan and maximize value for beneficiaries, that's their fiduciary duty. We call it the exclusive purpose test. And this new Biden rule, which, by the way, as you said, they tried to sneaky, really sinister uh, pass this rule and hope that no one would would notice, Uh, kind of like they did um, the last time we had to sue the Department of Labor on OSHA vaccine mandates. You remember that. And we took that to the Supreme Court and won. Mm -hmm. And we'll do the same here if we need to, because this is yet another existential threat from ESG. So this new Biden rule allows asset managers for these plans to abandon their fiduciary duty and become instead woke investment activists for G- for ESG. Glenn, this rule puts at risk over $12 trillion. Oh my gosh. $12 trillion of private retirement funds for 152 million hardworking Americans, the whole civilian workforce in America, Glenn, is 165 million at last count. So it just shows you the scale of the impact that this rule would have. And, and again, it, it weaponizes and politicizes the role of asset managers at a time when 401ks are already taking major hits due to the economic downturns and high inflation from this administration. It, so, it is insane, Glenn. So, Sean, this doesn't mandate that they they have to buy ESGs. It just allows them to uh, yeah. to put aside their fiduciary responsibility, which is insane. Insane. 
Yeah, you're right. It, it doesn't mandate. And it's funny that you say it that way because that was the defense that the DOL administration uh, put forth for why this, this is still uh, acceptable. We're not mandating illegal conduct. We're only allowing <laughs> illegal conduct. Yeah, it's, it's perverse the way that they, that they put it forward. Was, oh, okay, well, uh, as long as it's not mandated, uh, it, it's okay. But we, we, we've seen the reality is, and, and you've talked about this on your show a lot, and thank you. God bless you for being such a voice of reason, a loud voice in pushing back on this ESG um, insanity, because ESG funds are largely underperforming. And they're getting us close to net zero. Um, They should be looking at, by the way, technologies that are actually profitable and don't cause more environmental impact. You have one right now in your state and mine. It's a a Utah-based company. I'm going to throw it out. You can have them on the show another time. But Omnis Energy is about to make a huge announcement in Texas about really clean energy that will give U.S the energy dominance it, it deserves. And many of Texas's most prominent business leaders are committed to this technology. So I'm teasing it a little bit. But you oh, I think I know what this time. is. When do they announce that? <laughs> it's coming. It's coming in, in, within uh, days or weeks. Uh, and you know some of the principles. And, oh, I, th- this uh, is really... This this is going to be an exciting announcement. This is going to be really yeah. good. Uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll let you in on that um, on the show. I've I've known about this for a couple of months and been waiting and waiting and waiting. Uh, and I'm yeah. I'm excited to hear that I it's wanna, actually. I don't want to take their thunder. No. And, and I know, but but um, you know what? There there Glenn. There are other technical reasons, and I just want to throw this out to any of the lawyers out there who who are questioning. Okay, what what is the basis and why? Is it illegal in addition to it violating um, the fiduciary responsibilities? Um, there, there are other factors. It violates the major questions doctrine um, because it has vast economic impact, and the DOL actually doesn't have the authority to do this. It's arbitrary and capricious. And it also, another thing that we didn't really talk about a lot is that it allows proxy voting, again, in a way that, prevents them from or requires them from um, from living up to their fiduciary responsibility. So there's a proxy element here, too, which is another aspect of ESG that is pernicious. Um, and, and again, it's so brazen. This 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 audacity of woke is is unbelievable. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> Sean, I, I will tell you, we have been fighting ESG with ESG legislation um uh through wall builders um and david barton and you know i've been up at different states talking about it and and they have really mounted an effort in i think about 30 states are considering legislation um i have been working with another organization uh for the last i mean we've been working with them for at least eight months but we found out some things that um that they were doing to undermine the protection for the people. And uh, just a quick side note, I'm going to be making an announcement about that very well-known foundation um, and what they've been doing. We've tried to give them several months uh, to uh, clarify and rectify the problem they haven't. And uh, tomorrow's program, I'm going to be telling you something quite shocking and very, very disappointing on a um, 
on a foundation that uh, is has a long legacy and heritage uh, that uh, you're going to be disappointed in. Anyway, um, so let me ask you. Let me ask you on the ESG front: Is anyone that you know protecting? Because this is the this is the problem with this. This hurts everybody, including the little guy. Okay, this is not just the energy sector. This is everybody, especially the little guy, is going to get hurt on this. Um, are you seeing any real forward momentum at all on protecting the little guy in the S and the G? Or is still are people still just worried about the E? No, absolutely. And we've pushed back on some of the S and the G. And, and let me talk about that before I do. Thank you for your partnership with David. He is doing, he's a warrior out there. And, and the work that you all are doing, Glenn, you deserve credit um, with the legislatures is important. And Congress has a role to play. And they're, they're trying to push back through a big resolution. But the AGs, I, I, speaking of warriors, and you have an incredible one there in Texas, my colleague, Ken Paxton, he is yeah. co-filing this with me. So, I, so Texas... Uh, Louisiana, Jeff Landry, and the Commonwealth of Virginia, Jason Miaris, and all these other AGs, they're the ones. You call us often the last line of defense, and we are pushing back for the little guy, not just on the E, but on the S and the G. There was not too long ago an insurance issue that came up, which they were trying to pass a law that would require the insurance company to violate numerous state laws in the guise of being more diverse, right? And And it actually would require the insurance company, this rule, to consider race in terms of assessing risk and and issuing insurance, which blatantly on its face violates a number of state laws. So we pushed back on that. So people think that the ESG is only the E. There's definitely the S and the G part of it. And we'll, we'll continue as AGs to push back on all of that because as you said so eloquently it hurts the little guy it hurts everyone and i want to so, be clear glenn we're, we're not saying you you can't invest your money your own money yeah and be a it. social warrior and activist we're saying yep. when you have a fiduciary duty to invest other people's money you can't do that right right um can you can you help me on one thing unrelated to this Sean, the uh, rule went in two days ago now for the pistol braces. And the ATF says if you have a gun with pistol braces, you have to uh, apply for a tax stamp. And, you know, that that's a, a year long process uh, if you're lucky. Um, but you are going to be a felon within 120 days, even if you're in the process of the tax stamp. Um, and so they're saying, turn your gun in. Well, I know a lot of people that have these guns. They were perfectly legal until they just decided to, you know, uh, uh, just change the regulation on their own. What what does the what should somebody do? I know there's a lawsuit that was just filed yesterday here in Texas, but should we wait for this to play out in the court? Should you what should you do? Are we going to be felons if you have those guns? Another assault on our Second Amendment um, rights. And, you know, I just I, I was just at SHOT Show um, recently in Las Vegas, and we were talking about this, um, you know, many good American companies and, and even um, uh, foreign companies that, that support um, the Second Amendment. <clears throat> here, here is, a, uh, I think, a practical um, solution, Glenn. I, if I were you in any state, 
where you have a, a good attorney general who understands the um, the Constitution, I would reach out to their office and and ask for uh, advice and also see if they are um, joining us in being yeah. able to push back against these rules and encourage them to do that. Um, because, the, as you pointed out, the, the, the average citizen is now caught um, in this no man's land. And it's a it's a precarious it's place good. to be, uh, yeah. my friend. Um, thank you for for having me on. I know <laughs> it's no, no, no. crazy right now with the weather yeah. conditions, but I, I really so wanted to talk to you about um, the ESG and the Second Amendment issues and, and everything else going on there. You are an incredible uh, warrior well, and champion for us. John, I, I appreciate everything you're doing. You're really one of the good guys. And there's probably 15, 20 of them out there that are in as attorney generals that are just diehard. And you are one of the real leaders of that group. And I appreciate it. And uh, and good luck running against uh, Mitt Romney in the primary. Anyway, um, Sean Ray has the attorney general for the great state of Utah. We'll talk again, my friend. Okay. Uh, maybe he may not talk to me after that. Um, let me tell you about my Patriot supply. It is freezing cold here in Texas. We haven't had a power outage. Apparently, the solar panels are still working here in Texas. Um, but last time we had it, somebody at my Patriot supply was listening to the program. And I was worried about how are people cooking? How are people um, uh, heating their home uh, in this weather? And they started thinking about it. And they came up with something that is really, really good, safe effective and inexpensive um, and they call it vesta it just came out this they've been working on this for years now it came out from my patriot supply it'll let you heat your home or at least rooms of your home cook your meals indoors no toxic fumes or smoke it runs on canned heat and it burns really super hot yet it's totally safe you light the fuel and within really five minutes it's hot enough to boil water and even heat a 200 square foot room to keep the family warm it does it without smoke without toxic fumes and without any danger so Go to preparewithglenn.com. Save $30 on the Vesta while this first batch uh, of supplies last. Uh, they are really, really revolutionary and yet simple. I mean, you kind of look at it and you're like, why didn't somebody think of this before? Preparewithglenn.com. Go there now. Preparewithglenn.com. That- the Glenn Back Program. Now, remember, uh, this program was accused by everyone on the left in all media of being conspiracy theorists because we told you ESG will come to your bank and your retirement and everything else. And we were called conspiracy theorists. Well, now all GOP senators in and Manchin as well are challenging uh, Biden's ESG climate investment rule. They are trying to shoot it down from the Senate. We'll watch and, and see what happens. There's another story as well. Heroin is no longer a crime in Vancouver. And they're trying to legalize heroin and fentanyl all across Canada. So no more problems are we going to be happening up in Canada? I'm sure. And also, don't forget, tonight, usually our Wednesday night special, we have to rerun um, a, uh, a special, The Farmland Wars, Global Takeover America's Land. On Friday, we will be presenting uh, our, our Wednesday night special this Friday at 5 p.m. It's the COVID blueprint 
the next crisis globalists will use to control you. Um, it's clear what it is. We saw it during uh, the World Economic Forum. They're already setting it up. What is it and how do you prepare? That's all on Friday, 5 p.m., a special time uh, this week for our Wednesday night special. And uh, and I think that's it. We have a big show for you uh, tomorrow that you don't want to miss on radio. We will uh, we will see you there. And, and we're actually going to be able to broadcast, even though the weather is supposed to be worse here in Texas. I think we got it down. I think we got it down. Oh, and I have to tell you about my frontier experience. Oh, they are. They're fabulous. They're just fabulous Internet providers. Tell you about that on tomorrow. And uh, something that really is heavy on my heart. I don't want to expose, but something you have to be aware of. If you're in the fight program.